Time for a visit from Dr. Bernice Shafarik from Shafarik Dental in Columbia. As this morning, we discuss nutrition. It's not only what you eat, but how you eat it. Bernice, good morning. Thanks for stopping by today. What inspired this topic? Good morning, Wayne. So what inspired this topic was an article I came across in one of my dental journals. And um, it was uh, partially written by a pediatric dentist who had treated a family of kids. I think there were four kids in this family. And the mother was a nutritionist, and they were always super healthy and very low rate of decay, and their gums looked healthy and all of that. And then all of a sudden, she started to see more decay in every single one of the kids. And, you know, right away she thought about their environment, and they had well-educated parents who should know about diet and nutrition, and they were not attending schools. Some of the kids were older, so they weren't exposed to vending machines because that's what we think about also when the kids have exposure to vending machines, they may be drinking soda or something like that. Well, it sparked an interest in her, as as it should, because we're treating the whole person, and you want to see what is leading to this change when she's been seeing them for a while. Well, what ended up happening is they were eating very healthy things, but they had decided to start juicing. And what that means is that they turn things into a juice form. So... For example, Wayne, I know you like to eat an apple. Apple a day keeps the dentist away. Oh, wait, that's not how it works. Well, an apple a day is a good thing, but when you're eating it as an apple, you're chewing, you're stimulating saliva, and then you're swallowing. If you're drinking apple juice and you're sipping on it over a long period of time, you're actually creating an acidic atmosphere in your mouth. So that is a good example of it's not what you eat, but how you're eating it. So it's about how you eat, and you mentioned apple juice. Maybe it's how you drink, too. Right, and so one of the things that we definitely suggest to people, and it actually made me laugh because we, uh, I couldn't do this show on Monday because we had an all-day patient who was having conscious sedation, so that's a pretty intense situation. And about halfway through the day, my um, office manager said, um, you know, do you want me to just go grab a soda for you? And it's really rare that I ever drink a soda, but it was like, oh, yeah, you know, that sounds like a good idea. So when I came back to my desk for a break, there was a can of Diet Coke with a straw in it. And so that is pretty key. If you're drinking something that's acidic, and that can be juices or sodas, even some, you really need to check the, the flavored waters because some of those, especially the sparkling ones, have a really low pH, so they're pretty acidic. So if you're either drinking something like that with a meal where you're eating proteins and fats that are going to help things move along and not sit there on your teeth, or drinking through a straw, or not increasing your frequency. So if you're sipping a glass of Coke all day, then you're just constantly bathing your teeth in acid. It's just like if you are drinking coffee with sugar and you're kind of sipping on that coffee over 30 minutes or something, 
you're causing a worse environment than if you had your coffee with your breakfast. So, for example, um, I think we have a really strong association in society with sugar and decay. But eating three jelly beans with your meal as opposed to chewing on jelly beans all day, that's very different. Doing three jelly beans with your meal will probably not increase your chance of decay, but eating them all day long, that frequency makes a big difference. And I have a friend who does drink Diet Coke all day long. I don't know how many cans, I never counted, but I have to admit, every time I see him putting that up to his mouth, I think of you, Bernice. So when it comes to nutrition... Are there good foods versus bad foods? Yes, there are. There are definitely, and you know the, the thing also that you mentioned, um, Wayne, about your friend with the diet coke. Nutrition is the first word in the title of today's topic, and there are very well educated dietitians and nutritionists that can really help zero in on on each individual's particular situation. But I know that there's no nutritional value in Diet Coke. So if you're sipping on it all day long, you know, it's like putting a very low grade of gasoline in your car. You know, you're not really feeding it what it needs. So if you feel that need to sip on something, water is definitely a good choice. And as far as, I mean, even how how you eat is so important. So if you're sipping on water all day long, that's not a problem. If you're chewing on ice, that can be a problem. So something that is a good food, water, you know, in one category, can be a bad food if you're chewing chewing on ice. The other thing I want to really emphasize, because I see this all the time with kids, carbohydrates are what cause decay, and so they're fermented in your mouth. So things like simple sugars We all know the jelly beans or the sweet juices, if they sit in your mouth, they can cause decay. But goldfish crackers are also carbohydrates. And the problem with that is how you're eating them again. If you're trying to keep the kids calm in the car on a three-hour field trip, if they're eating goldfish the whole time, that can be just as harmful because... Once you chew on the goldfish, they're sitting there on your on your teeth and creating that same feeding ground for bacteria. So the bacteria are going to convert those carbohydrates into acid that's going to eat away at your teeth. So again, combinations are really important. So if the kids are snacking on goldfish, you really want them to be drinking water or chewing on carrots at the same time, or something that's going to help remove that from their teeth. The other issue that I know parents have is when the kids are a little bit older and they're brushing their own teeth, they just don't brush very long. So if they're eating the kind of things, chips, snacks, that will stick to their teeth, then that is going to create a problem also. Bernice, what are the effects of nutrition on oral health? nutritional excess and deficiency. So uh, when we think about, when I think about what my job is, it's teeth, it's gum tissues, it's the joint, it's 
the tongue, it's everything in the mouth. And so what that means is everything is affected by what's happening with the rest of your health. So one of the things that is so, so important when you come into your dental visit is to make sure we have a really accurate medical history. And it's not just because we're nosy. It's because it explains some of the things we're seeing in your mouth. So the medical history can tell us whether you have a disease like diabetes, which right away I know I'm going to see some effects in your mouth if that diabetes is not well controlled. So your immune response is going to be different. We could see more inflammation, more bleeding gums. Another thing on your medical history that's important is to list the medications that you're taking and the nutritional supplements. So everything you're taking that is not by prescription. So I would encourage everyone, and I know it's sometimes tough with the physicians. There's, they're so busy that there's not so much time to talk about things. But if you're taking supplements, vitamins or calcium, there are very effective ways to take them. What time of day, if you're taking them with a meal, if you're taking them with water, there's a lot of things involved there. And you can cause harm by taking too much of something. So, for example, um, with an excess of vitamin A, if people are taking more than they really need. And vitamin A deficiency is super rare in the United States because we have the foods available that, that provide vitamin A. But if you are taking too much vitamin A, then you can have um, delayed healing of your gum tissues. So when people are cleaning their teeth, cleaning the plaque off your teeth, there may be a, a more a quicker reaction to the plaque, so you get more bleeding, more gum infection and inflammation, and that means you have more bacteria caught in your mouth, and when you swallow, that goes into your gut, and it changes the whole atmosphere there. So all of these things really do interact, and so they're important things for us to know and to think about if we want to treat the whole whole person. How about the effect of nutrition on bone and wound healing? So one of those things that we mentioned is um, that if you're taking too much vitamin A as a supplement, then it can interfere with wound healing. Um, Pregnancy is such an important time because you're providing the nutrients for the baby to grow healthy teeth and bones. So the permanent molars, the six-year molars, are starting to develop right at the end of pregnancy and the first year of life. So if, as the pregnant mother, you're not getting an adequate supply of vitamins, calcium, phosphate, then you're not going to develop healthy bones. And there are things that can interfere with your body absorbing those things. So you might be taking in enough, but let's say you have Crohn's disease or celiac disease, and there's a problem with absorption within the gut, then you may be putting things into your body that aren't actually 
being absorbed, and that's there's so many areas where that's important. One of them that I see the ads on TV all the time, the bariatric surgeries, you know, that's very important for people who are very overweight and want to lose weight. But what you have to remember is a lot of those surgeries decrease the size, basically, of your stomach, which means decreased area for absorption. So you need to be really careful about not um, about having a good diet, and that's a circumstance where personally, if I were involved in that or somebody I cared about was, talking to a dietitian or a nutritionist would be super, super important. The other thing that I wanted to mention about how you eat is hydration. You know, hydration is incredibly important, and the best way to hydrate is water. Now, I know some people don't like just drinking straight water, If you're drinking a sparkling beverage that's flavored, you need to look at how acidic that is because there's even one brand that I can't remember the name right now, but I came across in the literature that has a pH of 2.7. That is super acidic. So if you're drinking something like that, you really want to be eating cheese or something to neutralize it. So that's why water is really the safest thing to drink. And I know, you know, with diabetics, my diabetic patients tell me, oh, they always tell me to drink water, but then, you know, it makes me have to pee all the time. So there's all these considerations that you have to try and stay healthy. But one that I came across that I wanted to also mention that I hadn't really ever thought about before is if you are not hydrating yourself enough, if your tissues are dehydrated, I can't get you as numb as I can someone who's drinking the appropriate amount of water. So that's an important thing. The tissues of the mouth don't want to be dry. You want to be drinking enough water also. Now, here is a question from the Department of Obvious Department. We're discussing nutrition. Does the tongue play a role in this equation? Well, the tongue is very important in terms of what you can see there. And uh, vitamin deficiencies, per se, because of diet or malnutrition, aren't that common in the United States. But there are deficiencies when people are doing something to excess. So in general, the more balanced your life is, the better. So, for example, vitamin D... To be absorbed, you do need some sunlight. And so that's become a difficult issue because for some people, you know, they are worried about getting um, skin cancers. And I believe that's probably more common in certain people than other people, and some of those people already know that because they've already had something removed. But you really need to be careful to make sure you get the appropriate amount of sunlight vitamin D, and that can be tested and and should be by your physician if that's a problem at all. But some of those things we can see right away in the tongue, the vitamin deficiencies. So if your tongue appears smoother than it should or some of the taste disorders are associated with vitamin deficiencies, and sometimes, as I said, it's, it's not what you're eating, but how you're eating. So if you are taking the supplements, but 
for example, you're bulimic and you're vomiting, it's, you're not going to have the same absorption. Or things like phosphate that helps your bones stay healthy. If you're drinking alcohol regularly, you can interfere with the absorption of phosphate. So I'm throwing out these facts to make people aware that what you're eating and how you're eating it is super important to your general health. And as a dentist, we have the luxury of looking directly in your mouth and seeing the effects of some of these things. So the, the, one of the more obvious ones is with diabetes. If someone's not well controlled, all of a sudden they seem to have more bleeding compared to how much plaque they have. So then you start thinking, well, it's not that the plaque and the bacteria are making the gums bleed right now. Something else is contributing to this hyperreaction. We talked early this morning about good foods versus bad foods, which got me thinking, are there one or two foods that we could eat more of that would improve our dental health or at least prevent some form of deterioration? I mean, people talk about carrots for the eyes. Is there food for teeth? So, you know, carrots for the eyes is about vitamins also. And so my bottom line is well-balanced. So the thing about some of these things is, texture of food also. So if you're anything that's really sticky, even if it's dried fruit that has some nutritional value, if it's really sticky and it sticks to your teeth, then it's a bad thing for teeth. But if you're eating, so for example, the wine, crackers, and cheese example, if you're eating a cracker with some meat or fat on it and you're drinking a glass of wine, then you are, that chewing action and the protein that's involved will help you remove that from your mouth quicker. So what we really need to do is not be just thinking, I'm going to eat an apple because it's good for my teeth. How am I eating the apple, like we said? You know, am I juicing it? Because that changes the whole thing. Um, The advantage of being in dentistry is I often get to see patients every six months over a long period of time. And in, instead of you know, worrying about exactly what you should be doing, if you're coming in every six months and your teeth look really healthy and your gum tissues and your tongue, everything looks really healthy, then don't worry so much. If you're coming in and we see a change, so for example, some people will decide that something is healthy for them and utilize it in excess. So the striking example that I have is a soldier that I once saw for an exam who had decay on all of what we call the smooth surfaces of your teeth. So they weren't on the grooves on the top of the teeth. They weren't in between the teeth where we expect plaque to get stuck. It was on the cheek surfaces of the teeth everywhere. Every single tooth had decay. And I started to ask him about what his dietary habits were. So it turns out that he had decided that vinegar was very healthy. So he was drinking half a cup of vinegar and swishing with it three times a day. Gee, there's something I'd never thought about doing. Well, you know, there are... See, that's the problem with even saying, eat this because it's good for your teeth. Because I really want people to have a balanced diet. So I want you to drink enough water. I want you to 
eat the appropriate amount of fruits and vegetables, so you get all of the nutrients there. Extremes like, for example, fasting. You know, you have to be careful with that because if you're fasting, you're not stimulating saliva, which lubricates the teeth and helps fight the, you know, bacteria. It stimulates your gut. All of those things happen. So if you decide to fast, then you should be maybe chewing gum with xylitol to make your saliva work better or hydrating. So it's it's a really big picture thing. The one thing I know is not good is hard candy with sugar. You don't want to be doing that. Bernice, what's an association you've got between diet, disease, and oral health? So one area that is super important that we just touched on is eating disorders. And um, there's two big eating disorders that we have in our society. And one is um, anorexia, and that's about 1% of the female population. So anorexia is when women severely limit their um, intake of food. And that can just lead to so many problems in the body. And one of them is um, we talked about vitamins, and vitamins are essential, but they're not produced by the body. So some of them are water-soluble and some of them are fat-soluble. So some of the anorexics that I've watched in action will tend to cut away every little bit of fat off of food. Well, you do need that to be able to absorb these vitamins so you can start to see vitamin deficiencies in women who are anorexic. Um, And, you know, deficiencies can happen in different ways also. So, for example, um, zinc, if you don't intake enough that it can decrease the absorption of another substance, which is copper, and that can have more consequences. So that whole balance is really important. And basically I said we don't have a lot of vitamin deficiencies in the United States because we have so much food available and we don't really have malnutrition. Well, anorexia really is malnutrition and alcohol-associated disorders can be the same kind of thing that because you're doing an excess of a certain activity, either not eating or drinking too much alcohol, it'll prevent you from absorbing the things you need to stay healthy. Bulimia is a different kind of problem because bulimia is identified as women who are, not not just women, it happens in men also, but people who are eating and then regurgitating it. And so the problem with that is you're creating an acidic environment in your mouth. And that can also happen with people who have gastric reflux. So basically, in the mouth, you start the breakdown of carbohydrates, and then proteins and fats happens further down in the stomach. So the digestion process starts in your mouth, and then you swallow, and then There's an environment in the stomach that helps you metabolize and absorb. That's way more acidic than what's in your mouth. So they have an impact on each other, but you really don't want the fluids from 
the stomach to be in your mouth because it's going to eat away at the enamel. And it really is striking the kind of patterns that you can see. So, for example, if somebody is bulimic and vomiting a lot, they'll wear away the enamel on the palate side of their top teeth. As they're regurgitating, that's the area where you get the most acid. And I did love your your song connection, Wayne, because if you're someone who has the habit of sucking on uh, citrus fruits, especially lemon, some people will actually you know, put a quarter in there and kind of suck on it. If they're putting it in one area of their mouth, that's where you'll see the acid erosion. So it's almost like you can be the detective in the mouth to, to see where people are creating problems because of the interaction of their diet and their metabolism and how their stomach works. Well, aside from the mandatory coffee in the morning, I am a big water guy. And often, mostly at restaurants, I ask for lemon in my water. Is that okay? So again, you know, if you have lemon in your water and it's pretty dilute and you're not sipping on it the entire day, then that's different from putting a lemon peel against, you know, a a lemon quarter against the side of your mouth. So it's all about frequency. You know, we talked about the goldfish or the jelly beans. You know, if you're not doing it that frequently or if you're drinking your water with lemon with a meal, then that changes everything also because if you're eating appropriately and you have protein and grains and fruits and vegetables, there's a texture involved too, and that will increase salivary flow. It'll help maintain that balance so it's not too acidic. So it really is, I think, a fascinating topic to think about of how what we eat interacts with the rest of our body. And in general, so you don't drive yourself crazy, um, it's important to just think about balance. So, for example, if you decide the key to weight loss or health for you is a grapefruit diet, that could be a problem because grapefruit is so acidic. But a little lemon in your water, especially with a meal, is not a problem. Aha, there we go. Going back to the eating disorders, and you talked about anorexia and bulimia, a couple of things come to mind when I hear that. Number one, Karen Carpenter of The Carpenters, a very high-profile case of a woman who died of anorexia. And story two was about 20 years ago, sitting right here in the studio across from me, was the Yukon Husky of Honor, now the Vanderbilt head coach, Shay Ralph. And Shay Ralph was very open about this. She was anorexic when she was younger in her pre-Yukon days. And fortunately, she got help, and now she has overcome it, and she's you know very healthy and done a very successful job. So I, I think that that was just two thoughts that came to my mind. And along that same line, you can talk about that if you want, but along the same line, are people that are anorexic or bulimic, does that affect the quality of their oral health, their teeth? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because with anorexia, we see the effects of malnutrition. So they're going to decrease the ability of their immune system to fight infection. So gum disease will become worse. If you're not eating regularly and having a, the saliva stimulating, your tissues are drier, you're dehydrated, 
you can see, you know, with anorexics, you can see a lot of effects on on the tongue and the soft tissues. You may see uh, there's a condition called angular culitis, you know, that you get really dry at the corners of, of your lips, and you can get recurrent fungal infections because of that. You know, and, and with anorexia and bulimia, I think one of the important things to think about and the examples you brought up, you know, it is, there's a huge psychological component to that. And we need to be kind to each other and take care of each other. I was listening to an NPR program about obesity. And, you know, the medical definition of obesity makes most football players obese. You know, it's just, it's not a very kind definition. And I think it's easy to develop a prejudice against, not prejudice, but a mindset against people who are overweight also. And we need to be careful about that because I know some super healthy people who are overweight, and it's not automatically that they're unhealthy or that they chose that condition. On the other hand... Some of the people who are overweight actually have sleep apnea. And especially as, as you get a little older, what happens is the soft tissue also gains weight and tongues gain weight, and then you have less room to breathe. If you're not breathing well and sleeping well, it interrupts the um, hormone in your brain that helps control when you know you've eaten enough. So if your sleep cycle is messed up, most people end up eating more. And so that's where the overweight component is coming. And it's, it's not just that they're not disciplined enough or whatever people decide to think about people who are overweight. They may just have a medical condition like sleep apnea, which is pretty prevalent. And that actually will decrease that hormone that helps your body know in your brain when you've had enough to eat. And to Shay Ralph's credit, she was speaking very openly about that as an attempt to be an advocate to get help if you are anorexic or bulimic. Moving along in our nutrition category here, at what point would a referral to a dietitian come into the equation? So some of the uh, medical conditions we've talked about, diabetes, um, a lot of the Crohn's disease, celiac disease, the intestinal things change how foods are absorbed, and that does require, I think, most often a dietitian's input to help you figure out in your particular situation what foods you can and can't eat, what combinations are important. Now, that being said, I think in dentistry, we can do a really good job with the young kids. You know, we can talk about, especially when, when the parents bring the child in before they're three years old, you know, when they're very young, what is their diet like? What are they eating? We've realized that we do need crunchy, solid foods sooner than we used to think because it helps develop the muscles and the tongue and the jaw. So with kids, most often we can do a lot about diet. You know, we can say don't eat a lot of goldfish or or don't be sipping apple juice in your sippy cup or things like that. Adults 
comes back to your your uh, song association, Wayne, of habits. So some of us, you know, of an age, you develop certain habits, and those become much more difficult to break. And I think a dietitian can be brilliant about helping you figure out how you can keep certain things that <clears throat> you're used to as habits or they're pleasurable for you, but still maintain a healthy diet given your medical condition. So I think those referrals become more important with, with adults. So wrapping up our topic of nutrition, it's not only what you eat, but how you eat it. What conclusions do we draw from this information? So as, as a dentist wanting my patients to have healthy nutrition, I would recommend that we limit grazing, you know, that kind of all-day snacking and having more structured meal times. Now, I know some people like the idea, and, and it helps them with weight maintenance and health, to have more frequent smaller meals. But that's okay as long as they're still structured, you know, and it's not the sipping Diet Coke all day long that you mentioned. Um, another um, area that is, is um, important because we talked about habits, and for some people I know they may have a job that requires them to be alert when they may be feeling sleepy. So some people use caffeine, some people use energy drinks. So with energy drinks, they are so acidic that a straw is really important. And, you know, that requires a slight change because if your habit is to be sipping on energy drinks, having to do it through a straw is going to be a change, but it would make a huge difference in your long-term health. And then after meals, always rinsing with, with water. Or if you have the kids in the car and, you know, they've had some goldfish, having them drink some water to rinse that off is really helpful also. And then, of course, brushing and flossing is good after meals. But that being said, if you're, if you're taking in something that's acidic, um, like let's say you go out with friends and have a couple of glasses of wine, you need to wait at least 20 minutes before you brush because you need the acidic environment to become more basic. Otherwise, you could be causing more damage if you have that acidic atmosphere there. Dr. Benita Shafarik, past governor of the northern region of Seroptimus International of the Americas. And what's going on with the local Seroptimus Club these days? Still active in the summertime? Uh, no, not quite as active in the summertime, but we did on June 28th. We had a lovely social at the Lebanon Vineyard, and we were able to fill um, bags for the domestic violence shelters. And we also have a program with the Salvation Army where we provide smaller bags because they have a program where they're working with victims of trafficking and trying to get them out of that atmosphere. So if you're someone who is homeless or doesn't have a stable environment, those bags, we have little sample toothpaste in them, and um, we have gotten them to the appropriate people. And it was a lot of fun to do that together, and I think there were at least 25 bags that we took to the domestic violence shelters to help those women uh, get a hand up when they need it. How goes the membership in your organization? Are you? I know you're always looking for members, but if someone wanted to join that women's organization that does so many great things for the area, how would they go about doing it? So I would go on the um, Facebook page, 
SI Willimantics the easiest way, you know, so you don't have to worry about spelling. Seroptim is international. And there is information about membership. And we always are looking for new members. And, you know, I realize how for some people, the social component is really important in doing things together. For some people, they like to solicit uh, maybe donations for our ball. or So, so many different talents are necessary to make the organization do what it does locally to fight um, women's issues. A lot of good things done by the Sorotomist International and the Sorotomist Club of Willimantic. That's Dr. Bernice Shafarik discussing nutrition. It's not only what you eat, but how you eat it. Bernice, thanks for joining me today. Have a great day. Thank you, Wayne. You too.